It's the Exit 52 podcast presented by Jimmy Seafood back here on Wednesday, February 7th. It's Barstool Banks. It's RDT. It's Taylor Smythe. We have a lot to talk about, fellas. The three of us have not potted since a lot of things have happened over the past few weeks. Uh, we're going to break it all down for you. All the Ravens news, all the Orioles news, um, a starting five draft presented by Fed Thrill, and all of the things you're not over, um, which plays into the last couple weeks of being a Baltimore fan. But, gents, how are we feeling? I'm good. Everything is good. Eric's great. Eric's great. I'm ready to pod. Brian is, uh, Brian, Brian's, uh, sl- he's, he's, he's having a tough go of it with the dust. I'm having a tough go of it on many fronts. Um, feel a little sickly and then we have construction at the house. There's a lot of dust in my lungs that I think is just, you know, I don't know if exasperates the word, the right word. Um, exacerbates just noodle, noodle exacerbate. I think that's the one. Noodle brain. I'm sure. just absolutely toast right now. Um, medical bad. You need to pull the mask, the masks out for this situation. Yeah, the old COVID masks get the dust out of there. I remember COVID. That was yeah. fun. Um, yeah. I'm not. I'm not over it, man. Um, it's like ten days later. We did the. We obviously did the um, day of recap, the instant analysis. That's what we call those. Um, I wake up every day and it still hurts. It still feels like it's the day after. It's miserable. It's Groundhog Day. Um, we oh, had wow. the greatest opportunity that one could ask for in our own barn, and we we blew it. We just absolutely shit down our leg. We fumbled at the one-yard line again. We didn't run the football again. We didn't do so many simple things that we've done all year long, um, and we just straight up played loser ball. We played loser ball, and we lost. That's what happens when you play loser ball. You do normally lose when you play loser ball. Um, we're going to go over – let me go over a couple of house cleaning items and we'll jump into the Baltimore Ravens. Sure. A variety of pods on a variety of things since we gathered for that incident analysis. You can go back onto YouTube and listen to all of those sad boy thoughts um, about the Ravens' loss um, right after the AFC Championship game concluded. Um, the Jumbo Set Boys then went on with a deep dive pod um, about the loss, about some Mike McDonald stuff. Um, and a variety of other Ravens topics. Uh, there were then a couple of emergency pods, the Orioles sale breaking news pod or with RDT and Jake, I believe were the two on there. Um, we have a lot of pods I'm trying to remember. And then, it, um, Corbin Burns emergency podcast as well with RDT helming, um, that discussion. And when, when that news broke, um, and then Jake just released a couple of, uh, podcasts, one was Spenny, the jumbo set. Uh, from today, um, another, you know, touching on a bunch of different Ravens topics. Uh, and then a David Rubenstein deep dive that Jake uh, expertly did. He's very good at those um, types of pods taking you through um, who will presumably barring something crazy. It would seem, it seems like it's going to be a pretty smooth approval process mm-hmm. in terms of the Orioles sale. Um, he did a deep dive on who David Rubenstein is, where, where the money comes from, his connection to Baltimore, all those different things uh, for a guy that will be, um, very well received, seemingly, as the new uh, primary owner of the Baltimore Orioles. We will get to that and on some of our thoughts on that as a second, do some quick hitters. But let's first talk about this Baltimore Ravens postmortem. Obviously, as I said, you can go back and listen to the the fresh thoughts, and you just heard some very sad, sad, uh, continually sad thoughts from Mr. Mr. Brian Black just now. Um, but some things have happened. Obviously, Mike McDonald out, some other staffers out. 
Um, Zach Orr in as the Ravens defensive coordinator, Jerry Rosberg in and then out <laughs> based on reporting. Um, and we haven't even gotten to what any player movement will look like yet. That was just the staff movement. Um, and I'm sure I missed uh, a couple of things. Uh, Brian, you talked about your inability to get over the AFC championship game loss, but how do you analyze the staff movement so far in the off season? McDonald was sort of <laughs> feels like he was built into almost maybe a bigger figure than he deserved. Not that he didn't do an amazing job, but it was almost like uh, Ravens fans lost God to a certain extent when he left. And he's an amazingly talented young coach. will probably win a ton of games in Seattle, but where do you see the Ravens now staff wise, uh, a huge swing to put Zach Orr in that position, um, considering his age and li- relatively limited coaching experience. Uh, it kind of speaks to the notion that this was an opportunity that you just had to capitalize on because you knew this was going to happen regardless of result. Uh, I think part of why that God status was achieved, and I'm not here to say that it wasn't warranted either, is that he was by far not the scapegoat whatsoever for what happened Um, to the point where a lot of people were calling for, for John Harbaugh's head in order to retain McDonald, just move him up, somehow move John Harbaugh into like a front office role, that type of thing which is just lunacy. Um, and I don't know that we've really even gone down the road of the John Harbaugh criticism either. Um, it's warranted because he's the head honcho and they played loser ball. Um, I, I see the dread in your faces as I continue to go down this road. But um, <laughs> need a loser um, ball counter in the corner. <laughs> yeah, how many times bang, is bang, bang. <laughs> I... He's a big reason of why we have success year in and year out. And I can see the the reasons that people argue for the idea that, hey, this is a, a great opportunity, this era with Lamar Jackson to leverage that into championships, plural. Um, I think John Harbaugh gives us the best chance of maybe five to ten people on the planet to do that. Um there is something to be said about pounding your head against the wall repeatedly, making the same mistakes. And I think that this type of loss is definitely strike two. So is his seat hot in my eyes? Yeah, I think it, I think it starts to has to be, and he can go 14 and three next year, get him back to the same situation. And the same thing happens. Like, I think you have no choice, but to, to, to make a change, but, um, just the the body of work just far exceeds the stupid nature of football to allow two blips to just totally poison two great seasons the way that they have. But rings talk. Yeah, yeah. Um, Defense football. It's just total. I mean, the entire staff is turned over. Zach Orr, I think, was was. Um, I just can't even, I can't even think he was earmarked. That's the word I'm looking for earmarked to be one of these types of guys from day one after retirement. I think he was beloved in the locker room for a lot of years for not just um, being a productive football player, but the way he approached the game, the intensity, the the studious nature, which he went from being undrafted to getting to where he was. So um, that's a great story that I think is a little bit lost in just the, the rage and the aftermath and the, the disappointment of losing a guy like McDonald, but um, I'm excited for him. I'm excited to get some fresh blood in there too. I think uh, the, the turnover 
on the coaching staff side is is a, a lot easier when you have the leadership that they have on the defensive side of the ball, the Roquan, the Marlins, um, et cetera. And they just have dogs on defense. They will continue to have dogs. Um, maybe a great segue to into our, our next topic here, but I feel strongly that Matabike will be re-signed or tagged at the very worst. I think he'll get the, the extension. Um, and those, those dogs will haunt yet again. So um, it stinks on paper. It, there may be a learning curve. Like McDonald was not hot out of the gates, you know, at the beginning of last season, but he obviously found his stride. We may have a little bit of a learning curve here for the defense as they make some changes, but all things considered, there's no reason why they can't go be the best defense in football next year. Yeah, for sure. I think that, you know, thinking about this as it's gone through the week, I think the other, but there were, there were multiple in-house options. It felt like for the Ravens based on just assumption and based on reporting of who um, the defensive coordinator could have been um, Denard Wilson or Anthony Weaver. And it feels like they potentially go with, or there he, he's the farthest away from becoming a head coach or becoming a head coaching candidate. It would seem. So maybe you're looking for a little multi-year stability by going with a guy like that, as opposed to theoretically Weaver, who seems on the doorstep of getting a head coaching opportunity based on the last couple of off seasons. Um, I know when Spenny was chatting about it, you know, before the news, he thought he was pretty convinced it was going to be Wilson. Um, he obviously went on to a different opportunity there. Um, but, or as all the sort of young coordinator, rise or energy that McDonald had. So you hope that that's a similar level of success um, with hopefully not that long of a, of a transition curve of um, which I think, as you said, banks is very much helped by the fact that their personnel is, you know, very, very well put together on that side of the football with really, really influential player leaders that, or worked very closely with, I mean, worked really closely with a guy like Roquan Smith day to day. So that you hope that that kind of eases the transition um, for them, but then they, you know, have other defensive coaching, uh, places they now need to kind of go through and, and bring people in on. So we'll see how those get filled. Um, and then, as you said, it brings you to the question of, of where, um, guys stay and guys leave on the defensive side of the ball, which we'll have an entire off season to kind of discuss. Um, but I would say the, the, it feels like in the, will they stay, will they go for a Matt, BK and a queen, the Matt, BK feels closer to staying and queen seems pretty close to leaving. Um, based on the financial realities of what they're trying to do and based on the fact that I think a Matt Abike is a little bit harder to find than a queen um, positionally. So um, they certainly will have questions now defensively going into game one. I think there's also obviously the reason you want McDonald to stay is because you just don't have, as you said, well said in terms of not being a scapegoat, so you don't blame him for anything. But also you just feel so secure about that side of the ball going into next year if he's on the sideline. Now there's question marks on both sides. Um, obviously always the offensive question marks of what it'll look like as they get through towards the playoffs. And now defensively, are they going to be good enough under a new coordinator with some new personnel? Um, whereas, you know, and then on the offensive side, obviously they have the coaching stability, which helps a lot. RDT, what are your kind of thoughts on the Ravens defensive situation? Yeah. I mean, McDonald, I, I put it in the group chat like a month ago where I was like, after, I think after the Titans fired Rabel and I was like, Spenny, like what, what's going on with McDonald? Like I, this is the guy I want. And, and again, he was like, I don't know, like probably next year, you know, I, I think that's when his time will come. But, and then it kind of like, it kind of died down during the playoffs. And I was like, all right, I think it looks like they're going to keep Monk in. They're going to be able to keep McDonald. You know, they, they should have their staff pretty much intact. And then it just kind of got, I mean, it, it got ravaged. It got, you got, what, what was the guy's name? Horitz. I always want to say Horowitz. I know it's not, is it, it's Joe Horitz. 
right? To, yeah. Um, with with Jim out in LA um, as the GM, and then you got who was it? Weaver went to Miami. I don't even know. Again, our our defensive the Titans defensive coordinator. Um, who was that? That was um, what's his name? Um, Denard Wilson. Who you mentioned Taylor. Yeah, yeah. So again, he's gone. McDonald was obviously a big um a big loss, and and I think Seattle's perfect for him. That's that's kind of a cool little like I think place for him to go and make his mark. But I I mean I saw the same stuff you guys were the like elevate Harbaugh, you know, make McDonald your head coach, and it's just like I don't that was never gonna work in any way. I mean, it, you know. I know Harbaugh is the second oldest coach in the league, but I mean, that guy has a lot of years left. I, I would think um, coaching. And, and like you said, I mean, he's a big reason that the Ravens are pretty much in the conversation every single year, except for a couple, a handful of seasons with injuries and blah, blah, blah. But again, I mean, as someone who's seen Mike Munchak and, and, and um, fucking, what was that guy's name? Wisenhunt, like guys like that. Like I would kill for a John Harbaugh type coach, you know, like, there's a lot worse things out there than, than having John Harbaugh coach your team. So it, it was interesting to see kind of the dialogue between, you know, the two sides on Ravens Twitter. Um, and I mean, the, you know, the losing all the the assistants and guys on the staff, that's just, it sucks because it's like you get penalized every year for being so good like the Ravens are and they just get their guys picked off. And it's kind of hard to build like continuity and, and stuff like that when you're losing a defensive coordinator or a secondary coach every single, you know, every other offseason and stuff like that. But I think McDonald was awesome. Uh, and he does, he said, he had this like God, like, like we have to keep him. Like this is Bill Belichick Jr. And pe- people definitely liked him. And, and you know, it's not like anyone was sour that he left anything. So, you know, who knows if down the line he ends up coming back or something later. But um, it was interesting just to watch it all unfold. Um, you talk about them bringing back Matt BK, which I think is, has to be the right move. I think it's, it's much harder to replace sacks than it is, you know, to replace a guy like queen, um, in the middle of the defense. But I also think I, I'm sure it's, it's, they're going to get Derrick Henry. Uh, I think that's pretty, I think that's pretty understood thing that's going to happen. Um, so we'll revisit this after the, uh, the off season, but, um, yeah, again, it, it it's. It just it, the 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 way that the the Raven season ended, and how everyone kind of got offloaded, kind of just went so quick, and no one really had a chance to catch their breath, especially with all the 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 Orioles stuff coming out, and that kind of softened the blow for some people. Obviously, some a little, not as much, but um, yeah. Again, it, it's it's going to be interesting. The Ravens will still be there next year. Again, Lamar is going to win MVP Saturday, so you know, Ravens fans seem to have a lot of doom and gloom right now. But I mean you got it. They got to be the odds on favorite to win the division next year. And, 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 you know, I'm sure they'll, they'll make a run then too, regardless of who they have coaching defense or this guy or that guy and who they have playing linebacker and all that. Yeah, for sure. I think that they'll no doubt be in the driver's seat to be one of the best teams in the AFC. And the question will, you know, the, the, they're sort of in the, I have a friend make this comparison, but like in the same position as Purdue men's basketball right now, where you're so good every year that the regular, the regular season doesn't matter like and they lose like every year in the first or second round with a team that should go farther and i think ravens fans feel that way about the ravens it's like the 2019 team should have gone farther this team should have gone to the super bowl that team should have gone a little farther that team should have gone a little farther and that can keep kind of unfortunate pressure on a head coach like john harbaugh who's put together a pretty consistent product and culture in the field but you know has gotten to the point where he hasn't won a big one in over a decade and that you know, weighs on a fan base that feels like they should maybe have more rings. Um, so that will be interesting to see how that narrative develops. Like one of the, 
you obviously want your team to win as a fan because you're happy, but I almost just wanted the Ravens to get to the Super Bowl and win just so like 80 narratives would just no longer happen anymore that we didn't have to talk about them anymore. And now they stretch it next year, regardless of what happens, um, which is unfortunate because um, the Ravens still had a fantastic season um, and got very, very close to, to getting to the end. But um, ultimately, I think I said it in one of the shows prior to the AFC title game, where it was the instant analysis after the division or whatever. It felt like the Ravens were the best team, and the question was, could they win two consec- three consecutive games? And they didn't do it. So that's on players, coaches, and we'll see who's intact for the start of next year. Um, but I would agree. With, I'm not in the same boat as Banks in being down in the dumps, but I do like see Super Bowl coverage this week, and I'm like, oh, my God. Like, why, why, how are we not in this game? It's rainy and shitty out there, though. Nobody would have wanted to go. Like, you know, <laughs> that's, that, that you got to think about it like that. Like I was talking, Johnny said it the other day, like, thank God we're not out there. That weather, that weather is fucking awful. <laughs> you gotta, I love that spin. I love that glass, spin. glass half full, you know. Um, Let's move on to the Baltimore Orioles here. Uh, big news, obviously, over the last couple of weeks. Want to make sure we start with the biggest. Uh, Jacob Webb winning his arbitration gets a million dollars going in the next year. That's so that is definitely not the biggest. Oh, I, I think that's the big. You're saying that's not the biggest news over the um, sale and over Austin Hayes. Coke is coming back to the stadium. Like, well, I was gonna get to. I was gonna get. To, I was gonna get to that. I was gonna. What get are we, to that. What are, how do you not lead off with that. that? I mean, I said it was I a would neck and neck have, race. It was a neck and neck race. I would rather have Coke at the stadium than Corbin Burns. Uh, like, I'll be flat out on. <laughs> wow! Wow! Yeah. Put wow. that on a what cool a statement. Card. Yeah. What, so, a, what Uncle, a statement. Uncle David just making everything happen this this off season. <laughs> Let's start with the postmortem of the sale news. I think we start there as, as a trio here. RDTU obviously have been on these airwaves and been on the blogosphere and on Twitter, putting out a lot of comments. So we can kind of review those. Um, obviously, the news breaks right after, a couple of days after the Ravens' glumness that this is going to happen. Um, it feels like now, based on like the reporting the last few days, that it's going to be a pretty quick and easy process. I'm not shocked considering based on potential Angelus reputation, maybe there are owners in the league and the league office that would welcome some investment into the franchise and a, a you know, a, a kind of a bigger power player as the Ravens or excuse me, as the Orioles owner. So it's not a total shocker on the outside looking in. Um, but this has totally, I mean, in terms of rejuvenating a franchise's, you know, their trust was already been built up over, you know, the winning of the last year and, and how stocked the franchise is. But now you put a new guy at the top and it's the best Orioles fan base feeling in what? 30 years. I mean, it's amazing because there was always the dread yeah. for some fans, even with the winning going on of, oh, my God, they're not going to sign these guys. This is, you know, this window isn't as open as people think. And, you know, you have to wait till a guy buys a team and actually invest. But seemingly you've put somebody in charge that can now keep this going for the next eight to 10 years. So it's a pretty amazing feeling, I think as a, as a Baltimore baseball fan. Yeah. I mean, again, we, we were trying to talk about, like I, I blogged it the other day and, and it sounded kind of loserish. And that's what Carabas told me when I was on their podcast that like, this has been the best week of my life as an Oriole fan. Like we've never, we've never won a world series. Like I've seen ALCS we've seen, you know, rookie of the year we've seen all these great performances but it's like this is by far i think the best week of any orioles fans like career while while watching them like being invested in them 
again, stuff that we never thought would happen, a, a change in ownership, like a straight up here it is. No, no, like funny business. And again, like it, it seems like it's, it's going to go through, like you talked about Matt Wayrich, Wayrich, Wyrich, um, the new guy for the sun tweeted uh, source told Baltimore sun, the league's ownership committee did discuss the Orioles sale today at the owners meetings in Orlando and added that the vetting process with David Rubenstein isn't expected to take long. So again, it seems like this thing is moving. And and like you said, Taylor, why wouldn't it? It's not like any, there's no owners down there in Orlando. Like, whoa, whoa, whoa. You know, John is a great guy. We have to keep him around. I think everyone's like, yeah, just sign it, you know, tell me where to sign and, and we're good. You know, let's vote and get this thing over with. So I, I mean, I still had people being like, I don't you know, we have to wait till everything's signed, you know, and the, he could back out. And it's like, this, no, this thing is about as done as done can get. Like it's, it's good to go. Um, so yeah, I mean, again, you know, we had the excitement of that on, on last Tuesday and, you know, nobody really knew if it was real or not. I had never heard of puck news before last Tuesday. Like I oh, had blocked, actually, puck news is great. I had them blocked because I was going through and blocking anyone that did ads on Twitter. Cause I was like, get these out of my face. So I was like, all right, what is this clown account that I have blocked already? And lo and behold, it was, it was, you know, I, I, I blocked my, you know, the best news that I've ever seen in my life. But um, yeah, again, that, I mean, that, that, that news coming out on that Tuesday was, was just fantastic. And it's people are rejuvenated. Like you said, I had people like Demi being like, you know, at eight o'clock on, on Tuesday being like, I just re up my season tickets. And then I had someone else be like, I just bought season tickets. Like I've never had season tickets. I just bought season tickets. And it's like, see, this is, people are excited again. And, and, you know, I got buddies going down to spring training who had never been just, you know, because now they, they want to go and they're, they're, they're fully invested. So it, it, it did seem like the perfect pick me up for the city. And, and again, people were, people are very excited. And then obviously the news that happened the next day or two days later, 48 hours later and all that. Um, it's been, it's been a roller coaster of emotions in Baltimore the last week. And, and it, it but it seems like, again, a lot of people are, uh, are drinking the Orioles Kool-Aid and, and it's kind of taken some of the sting away from the, uh, the Ravens. But again, it's been nothing but great news um, for the Orioles and, and everything around them, unless you're, I guess, T-Row Price, who <laughs> I don't know if you guys, <laughs> I mean, this this Johnny yeah. agreeing with T-Row Price to put the, the you know, T-Row Price Park, I think they said at Camden Yards. Um, and it was supposed to be announced yesterday on Tuesday. And just didn't tell him he was selling the team. Like you, you just talk about one last like middle finger. Like he was probably hoping he could like sell the naming rights and then just dip out and just like one last fuck you to the fans. Like I, I pictured him like DX chopping his way out of the office as you know he's like, oh yeah, your naming rights are gone now. But I don't know, li- little Johnny boy Jay Campus anymore. It's all about Rubenstein and and it's 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 onward and upward from here. Banks, thoughts on this week in Orioles sale transaction or a couple weeks, I guess. It's been the saving grace. It's actually been unbelievable timing for this to come in when it did. Um, I, I, I literally can't think of anything that like from a macro perspective, like, oh, one quick signing, like a trade, Corbin Burns. That's awesome. Like that helps. But that is like that's a Band-Aid or like that's one like a one time thing. A daddy Rubenstein is is a forever gift. That's a gift that keeps on giving. Like that is the eternal hope that you need when you feel the despair that the city feels right now regarding the teams. It is the perfect pivot to just turn everyone's attention towards something new, something exciting. The other half of the city, like, bam, 
we got all the momentum. We had a great year. There was a letdown on that too, but spring eternal, all that bullshit. You know what I'm saying by that. Spring hopes eternal. Hope. Hope bring. Hope spring. Spring. Hope springs eternal. Hopes. Hope, Hold hope on. springs eternal. I probably sure. should have just continued by saying fuck it on this one, but did we get it? Hope springs hope, eternal. Yeah. Hope springs eternal. Yes. Um, nailed it. Uh, yes. No, this is as excited for an Orioles season as I think we could ever be. And again, it's like not even just about this season. It's about the next decade of Orioles baseball. Like mm-hmm. the ceiling's the roof. And, and again, I mean, you, you talk about how people are excited. Like you said, it's not a, it's, it's, it's a big picture thing. Again, Rubenstein is what, 74, 75 years old, I think. But the fact that Cal is back involved and, and Grant Hill is involved and Michael Bloomberg and Michael, or I can't pronounce that guy's name, like our, our, our Gotti or something like that. Like, I mean, the amount of people involved in this, like it's, it's, I don't know. I, I, again, I still can't get over it. Like I still have people DMing me being like, I can't believe this is real. And like this saved us at the perfect time. And, and like you said, it, this isn't the, the quick bandaid analogy is good. Like it's not just a quick fix me up. Like I need something to get me through. Like this is a, this is a franchise changing move. And, and again, it's something I, again, it's exactly what, what commanders Redskin football team fans went through. They probably went through a point where they were like, this is never going to get better. This will never, ever Snyder is always going to own the team as long as we're fans. Blah blah blah, and a lot of us probably had those same thoughts about Angelos. And and again, it, it seemed like they'd been working on it for a couple of weeks, I guess at least. And and you know, we'd had we had heard some rumblings in, in the group text about it. And lo and lo and behold, it came to be it came out to be true. And and the little man's reign is over. And it's just it's it's it, there, there's no better time to be a, be a Baltimore Oriole fan than than right now. And again, just the Corbin Burns trade and. Oh, by the way, Jackson Holiday is going to be down at spring training, and I assume he's going to start opening day at second base. The opening day this year is going to be unlike any other opening day that's ever ever been. It's going to be absolutely incredible. Like I, I legitimately cannot wait for that. So it's just it, I, I could go on and on about this forever, but it's just it's awesome. It's perfect time. Yeah, it's well said. I think the other thing, first of all, Rubenstein has also done a fantastic job. Like with little small PR things since he bought mm-hmm. the team, the tweet about Cal. I love that he just shamelessly shilled his like Bloomberg podcasts and videos and stuff on his Twitter. It's like, <laughs> go watch my conversations with historians and my and thoughts I, on investing. And I and will watch it. Sure, watch will every watch single one. Absolutely. Put it on there. But you, you go through it and we, you know, you can go definitely go through and, and listen to Jake's pod about Rubenstein. I think the interesting part about, I'll say twofold, two off the field things. I think the on-field investment is clearly going to uptick. You don't buy a team and then not at least invest at the beginning. You just, you just don't. Maybe it will settle into some place where he does different things financially, but you're going to infuse the club with money if you're going to try to get some return on investment here. I am mm-hmm. fascinated to see how he trans tries to continue to transform the club's image off the field. I think the it does get lost that the Orioles did a lot of really good things in the community over the course of the years. Um, even with some of the bad PR that the Angelos has had as operators, I do think that they really did invest in the community in a lot of different ways, sending the players out, doing all those different things. Rubenstein's track record of like philanthropy and his connections around the area in those ways. I'm interested to see how, how the Orioles like go about, like they, like do they, and you know, really get, 
the club ingrained in the community even more with kind of just what he does day to day from a philanthropy standpoint. The other statement he had in the press release was continuing to talk about the investment around Camden Yards as well. Like that was a big sticking point of the Angelos deal was trying to figure out. I I guess we don't really know what those two terms are once ownership changes. I think that would be just us wildly speculating. But clearly Rubenstein wants to do similar things around the ballpark, which while it was a consternation thing around the like long-term lease with the ballpark, there definitely need to be improvements made in terms of the around Camden Yards atmosphere. And I'm fascinated to see, you know, the Rubenstein dealings with Mayor Scott and, and Governor Westmore and how they kind of now put this together with what the Ravens are now doing in and around M&T Bank Stadium um, and, and how much they're going to improve that place um, to an already great game day experience is going to even get ratcheted up. You know, the Orioles keeping pace with that. Um, I'll be interested to see just kind of how those plans get rolled out too, because I think the club, and I'm sure they realize this, has a major opportunity to totally flip some of the PR stuff on its head. Um, just as you said, RDT, like I, I'm buying a, I've heard people say, I'm buying a mini pack, I'm buying season tickets. Like that stuff's just going to happen naturally. And if you can just build on that with, you know, well-timed and well-placed community stuff and some of the ball around ballpark improvements that's done in a, in a tasteful way. I mean, they can really hit the ground running here and get back in a much better position than they were, I think from a public relations standpoint. So that will be really, really fascinating. Um, to watch, obviously, the Corbin Burns trade didn't hurt to you know have that announced a couple of days after. Obviously, Michael Elias's comments were that that trade had been being worked on for a while, and that John Angelos approved the deal. Um, I'll take him at face value for that. Obviously, you can go through with that and be like, "Hey, they, they had to wait," um, and maybe that was you know John Angelos uh, being a good business partner, waiting for the 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 ownership to kind of get announced, and then going through with that deal with Ruben C's approval. I don't think it we don't need to get on the weeds on any of that stuff, but um, that's a game changer for the Orioles. That's your opening day starter. And that feels like it, it's funny. We talked about like the Orioles rotation and how, you know, they feel they obviously needed that one extra piece. And then you just see Burns as the name on the top of the rest of those four or five guys. And you're like, wow, it really, really, really falls into place now. Yeah. I, I again, I mean, anytime you can add, the 20 he's been the best pitch he's been arguably the best pitcher in baseball second best pitcher in baseball since 2021 like it's a lot it's a big sample size all he does is make 32 33 starts a year all he does is strike people out like I, i'm thinking about betting on him to to lead baseball in strikeouts like hit him with ad like that nation is going to be just just so so lethal and again i mean you talk about a year he had and the second half grayson had but corbin burns has been doing this for a long long time and he's an awesome pitcher He's, you know, he's somehow just still getting better. He, he, he didn't have his best year last year, but he's still an incredible pitcher. And again, I mean, you read around, you know, baseball and everyone is just like this rotation. This rotation went from like, okay, they're good. Like we saw what they did last year. You know, they, they were okay. Um, second half, you know, all their guys were really good. But now it's like Grayson Rodriguez is going to be your three. Healthy John Means is your four. Like, are you kidding me? That's, I mean, and then again, you can put, Wells or Irvin or, you know, any of those guys in the five spot, Dean Kramer, like this, just the, the trickle down effect this has is, is just incredible. And, and it, it just improves this team so much. I still think they need one more bullpen arm. Um, that was probably lost with, with the DL hall trade. And it does suck to see DL, you know, move on. And, and, you know, we've talked to him and, and he's going to kill it in Milwaukee and, and get the opportunity to start. And I just saw, they just signed Gary Sanchez too. So 
it, that has to be tough going from Adelie to, to Gary Sanchez uh, back behind the plate. But um, again, him and Joey Ortiz, I think are going to kill it in, uh, in Milwaukee, but this is a trade. I mean, if you can make it, you got to make it. And, and I, I did, I was told after the trade that they had been working on this since December. Like apparently it was almost, it almost went through in December and then it got kind of called off. So who knows what happens, but uh, or what happened, but again, the, the deal was done. And, I mean, we, we were saying, Brian, I don't know if you were in the, it may have been a different group chat. This is the biggest trade since Tejada. I, cause like I, well, I Tejada wasn't, Tejada wasn't even a trade. Yeah, no, that's, he's, he's like the, the biggest acquisition, I guess. Cause like I wasn't counting, I wasn't counting Adam Jones and Tillman because we didn't know what the, you know, that was Bedard for prospects and they just turned into Chris <laughs> this Tillman. This never happened. What? The, you weren't this in this? You can argue, you can. You can argue oh, it's the biggest. Tra- you can argue it's the biggest trade since they traded for Frank Robinson. Yeah, yeah. But I mean, that's really what you're. That's really what you're talking about. I mean, there's yeah. just nothing else that really, you know, Tejada is the definitely the biggest offseason. It's the biggest offseason acquisition since that. But yeah, yeah. I mean, Banks is right. Like, there's really nothing. Comp- it, it, and that was what's crazy. I think to other fan bases, I, I'm, I'm like saying that to people that don't root for the heroes, and they're like, seriously, they've never like made a big deal. And I'm like. No. Yeah. Not, not like in from a trade state. No, they haven't. And partly because they, you know, weren't constructed this way where they mm-hmm. have the guys that you need to put together trades for these type of guys. And whether they sign Burns long term or he's a one year rental, um, we will see. I also think, and you said they need another bullpen arm. I think there's a room to potentially trade for another starter if they want. Yeah. But they have the ammunition to go and do it. And the question will be whether they see it play out towards like the trade deadline and see where they are as a team or do they just kind of like go off, push the chips in and say, look, we have, you know, see what happens in spring training and see where the roster falls and be like, look, we don't need this guy now. Like we just don't have the room. Um, theoretically they could use that to get a veteran bat too, if they want. I mean, they, they, they are now they've made this move, you know, you, you go in for a guy that's not signed long-term, like you are trying to win the whole thing this year. I mean, you were trying, unless they had planned to sign him long term, which I hope that, you know, maybe you see what you have and then you do that. But you don't bring this guy in if you're not going to make the other moves necessary to to try to win the whole thing. I mean, that, that that has to be the calculus. This is the liftoff. I mean, this is the liftoff yeah. just a year later. Yeah, absolutely. And again, it sucks it took this long. But like, again, I don't know what you can say about Elias, like making this trade again to only lose. And again, I, I hate to say only DL Hall because we like DL Hall. I think he was going to be really good this year. But to only lose DL Joey Ortiz and then the that thirty fourth pick, like that's, I mean, again, that that's a trade you have to make. And the fact that again, it seemed like Doc, never, I don't know what the fuck they're thinking, but apparently they are they are asking for the moon and the stars for for Dylan Cease. I don't know if you guys saw the Braves had their their um, stop or whatever. He was at like a Today Show setup where there were windows behind him, and a guy had written on his phone like trade for Dylan Cease and was holding it up and and the the GM of the Braves who makes every smart move possible and fleeces every team turned around saw the kid holding the sign that said trade for Cease because I tried he's too expensive so for a GM to openly say that that's pretty crazy like you never hear that you never hear a GM openly be like oh, no we tried that guy is like they're asking way too much so again I don't know what what the White Sox thought they were going to get Maybe the, the, that extra year of um, control for Cease, they you know wanted a lot more, but they they royally screwed up. It seems, and again, the Orioles can still go out and get Dylan Cease if they want, because again, they still have all their major trade chips and Colton Cowher and Heston Kerstad and Kobe Mayo 
And, you know, I mean, Austin Hayes, if you want to trade him, you know, Cedric, Santander, you can move any of these guys because that's the thing. They, they, you know, they didn't fracture their farm system trading for uh, trading for friends. And yeah, I'm excited. He seems excited. I've watched every interview and piece of content I can uh, involving him. So he seems to, to be fully on board. And again, I, I'm, I'm pretty jacked up to watch him pitch to Adley. And it is funny now, like, Again, this two weeks ago, nobody was having this conversation. This week, it's like, so who starts opening day? Is it Bradish or, or is it Burns? And I'm just like, I kind of do like the Antonio Banderas, like sit back gif where I kind of, you know, you just like smile and you're like, this is, I can't believe we're having a conversation if Corbin Burns should start for the Orioles on fucking opening day. Like what a, what a world we're living in where that's, that's a conversation. Like, it's uh, and I think it like, I think it like should be said before we move on to a couple other quick notes. Like, they traded the 34th pick. They still have their own first round pick and another comp pick. Yeah. So they still have two first yeah. round picks that they're gonna, you know, put back into the put back into the, the club if they trade other guys. And then I you know, for hardcore fans, it's gonna sh- shock anybody, but I just think it, it should be read off. The Orioles then on MLB pipeline, even with that trade, still have the number one prospect in baseball, the number 17 prospect in baseball, the number 19 prospect in baseball, the number 30 prospect in baseball, and the number 32 prospect in baseball. And, I mean, that's, and that's, I, guess, I mean, I, that is I, I, just, we talked about how this embarrassment of riches could potentially get divvied up, how many people contributed to the big league club and how many people got jettisoned out. And it is now you see in this, this, and it's like, Oh my God, we can't trade this guy. We can't trade this guy. You see what you can get. If you have this amount of depth, you can continue to keep the, the real difference bakers that you want and still bring in high impact guys like this. Um, and you, as you said, RDT, just like, what can you say about Michael Elias? You really can't rebuild a team any better than this. You can't. And maybe mm-hmm. it will never end in a World Series title. But in terms of rebuilding a team from the ground up, and yes, there were some pieces left by the, the Duquette regime that have been super valuable. There's no doubt about it. But to like get it to this point is is pretty amazing. A um, mm-hmm. couple other things I talked about. Oh, God. No, I, I, you're probably going to talk about it. But again, another thing that I think is like a trickle down from this guy, like players are openly excited about this. Like players are reposting the Rubenstein stuff on Twitter, on on Instagram. Austin is eight after he won his his arbitration, you know, hearing, and he should have. Congrats to him. Like uh, guys, the guys started an All Star game last year, but his agent came out and was like, "You're looking at Austin, a lifetime Oriole." Those comments weren't there last year you know, under Angelos, they, these comments haven't been there in the past. So again, now this is a thing where it's like, it sounds like guys have been like, Hey, now I'm, now I want to be here. I'm, you know, I want to stick here for the long haul. So that's another thing. It's like, now you start looking at extensions for your guys and Jackson's going to be tough and Gunner's going to be tough because of the Scott Boris thing. And Boris is also a rep for Burns. So that's going to be tough too. But I mean, I go to Adley tomorrow, and we saw the Bobby Witt Jr. deal. I was going to say the Bobby Witt Jr. deal just set the just set the market on some of this stuff. Yes, and and again, good for him. He's a hell of a player. He's an incredible player. That that 2019 draft, Adley, Bobby Witt, Corbin Carroll, Gunnar Henderson, Joey Ortiz, like there are just guys everywhere in that draft. It's an incredible draft, um, just for baseball, not just for like the Orioles. But um, again, it seems like guys are like, you know, hey, th- now I'm I'm down. I want to stick around. I want to be here again. It's like, oh, they're trading for Corbin. Do not want here now. You know. Again, I think Adley is a doable deal. I would go to him with like eight for one seventy five to start out right now and be like, hey, here here's here's the round. Like let's let's start working around it. He's a little older. He turned twenty six yesterday. Like, you know, we'll start 
you know, maybe an opt out after five or six years or something like that. But I think Adley's where you start and then you kind of fill in the pieces around him. But uh, yeah, again, it's just, it just this, this, this is stuff that we've never, we've only dreamed of talking about this podcast and not like actually ever done in real life. So it's easy that it's happening. So. Yeah. You hit the, um, you hit the Austin Hayes thing that I was going to say that those comments from his agent were, were ones we have not heard from a lot of players. And I, you know, he would obviously be a valuable guy to song, sign long-term if you can get him at the right price. Um, because they're mm-hmm. going to have to figure out, as you said, what they're going to do um, with their money here moving forward and, and dealing with the guys. And and it, it will be an inevitability that they can't keep everybody. I mean, that that is going to happen. Yeah. You know, they're not going to keep everybody that they homegrown. Guys are going to go other places and get more money. Um, but at this point, you have to trust Michael Elias to make the right, right make the removes. I, 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 he's a trust until he's not kind of guy. It's a little like Ozzy News and Merrick DaCosta like at this point where it's like kind of have mm-hmm. to trust them until they, you know, make a major screw up. And he really has it. I'll go out on a limb and I'll say they extend someone. I don't know who. I don't know how much. I don't know what. But I think they extend someone before spring training's up. I'll I'll go out on that limb and say that. Yeah, be interesting who that is. Who would you guys predict? We'll we'll end the Orioles talk about this. Who would you guys predict that they resign first? Who gets the first extension? Could be any of the outfielders. I know that they offered. First baseman an extension could be Adley. You know, I, I I'll go. I'll, I'll say Cedric. I'll say said. Brian, trying to think who's in that right like window where they're not too early in their career. I mean, I I think. God, that'd be so early. If they just went and, and extended Gunner, I think that would just set the world on fire. No, um, that would be Jesus. You could say the same about Adley, but I feel like they're not. They wouldn't be as eager to do it just because they can play with the risk of letting that play out a little further with Masala behind Masala. him. Like, should something go mm-hmm. sideways with Adley, God forbid, um, they wouldn't be necessarily, you know, tied right down with a big contract, but. Um. Yeah, I think it's one of those mid-range guys. I think it's a Mullins or a or a Hayes. I think they do that as like a, you know, get a guy locked up on a mid deal, mid mid kind of money deal. If you're gonna extend Gunner, you're gonna have to give him something like this Bobby Witt contract. So that will be very interesting to see if the Orioles under new ownership say like, let's go decade for around three hundred. Like that is a commitment we've never seen them make. Um. And we've never seen the Royals make either. So it was a sh- I, remember, I saw it the other day. I was like, that is shocking. Um, they have, they're under new ownership as the last few years as well. Um, so that, it, that would be the statement. That would be like if Rubenstein took over the controlling share and Gunner was signed to that kind of deal in the, over a month, I mean, Orioles fans would not know what to do with themselves at that point, as you said. Like that would be ridiculous. But I, I think they ultimately try to secure maybe one of those, you know, 28, 29 year old guys, as opposed to one of the 23 to 25 year old guys, you know, 21 to 25 year old guys. So we shall see. And as you said, it was going to be my last topic RDT, but yeah, Coke heading back into Camden Yards, replacing Pepsi reportedly as the uh, the drink provider there. Um, so big, you seem big you fan. seem thrilled. Well, I'm happy for you, RDT. You seem thrilled. 
off season was already won before. Now I think this just absolutely stamps it. Like this has been by far the greatest. <laughs> I mean, these are the, the, the three greatest moves in Orioles history. <laughs> the other quick thing is there was, you know, and you kind of touched on it, RDT. Um, obviously the spring training invitees came out. No surprise. All the top guys down there um, that aren't necessarily on the 40 man. I, the, the Jackson holiday comments, it feels like full systems go from all parties there uh, from Elias, from holiday himself. I, he's going to get every opportunity. As you said, RDT, I think to start an opening day um, based on how he plays in spring I, training. And I don't think there should be any reason at this point to not do that. Mm-mm. And I, 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 I've said it for, I think a couple months. I think he's by, I think he's your opening day, second baseman. I think, I think again, I think they just traded for Corbin Burns one year left. Not like, oh, okay, we have to kind of play around. Like, and people are like, no, you know, the time. I think just like a lot of being like, you know what, with this kid, fuck, fuck service time. Like we're going to go, let's go win this right now. Cause again, what service time is not going to help them next year. If Corbin Burns isn't here. Like I, th- I think Elias is going to drop his balls on the table and just say, Hey, we're, we're, we're doing this. So yeah, I think that's also, uh, yeah. Jackson that's is the type of talent that overcomes the fact that you want to hold him out for service time. You're going to have to extend. I mean, you're going to have to make the guy whole if he's the way he's going to be. Yeah. He's Bryce Harper. He's Juan Soto. Like he's all these guys, you know, yeah, like it's Machado. It's, it's, yeah. He's Machado. Like it, that's, I think, I think so. And, and, um, I saw, I think I, I saw his Instagram. I think he's already down at spring training. He posted the locker. I saw that as well. So I, I think he's already down there. So again, th- that kind of tells you, I know CNL Perez is down there. A couple of the other guys have already gone down. So I, I know going down is like the people do it all the time now, but again, it seems like people are like, all right, let's, I'm I'm itching to, I'm itching to go like let, let's get this going so I'm I'm very pumped right now very very excited yeah spring training should be very excited and we'll obviously have podcasts on podcasts on podcasts uh last thing last quick thing to say and it's a major thing to say about the Orioles um X52 live at the opening day Jimmy Seafood tailgoat um some details on that to come but the boys will be doing some um, live programming from the tailgoat uh, make sure to buy your tailgoat tickets in that stead. We'll have more kind of details on who we're going to have on and what we're going to do as we get closer, but the boys will all be there um, prior to the Orioles um, opening day game against the angels, um, which my God, that what a day that is for me. Um, <laughs> Mar- Mar- March 28th, DJ Pauly D uh, back in Baltimore if- to perform there. You were already involved in his appearance in Baltimore uh, for the Ravens tailgoat RGT. If we can get Paulie D on the podcast to come by and talk, talk a little, talk a little Adley, talk a little Jackson, that would be, that would be fire. That would be fantastic. fantastic. Yeah. Um, probably people that listen to this show, probably very familiar with the tailgoat offerings. Um, but a really real, I mean, we've now been to a, a bunch of them um, and just a fantastic experience. Um, ticket packages ranging from 50 to $835, there's some like game ticket combinations, premium general admission tickets to the actual tailgoat, and then you can add an upper-level ticket, some bus transport, um, so $85 in the starting ticket there. But um, all-you-can-eat food, bunch of different drink options, um, obviously DJ Paul D performing a set. Um, uh, go to tailgoat.com to find the rest of those details. I don't need to list out everything on the website here, but an experience that, that – um, that kind of speaks for itself. Um, and, and the, the, fo- the folks at Jimmy's do a fantastic job with that. Um, and we'll be there, uh, hopefully having some great guests, um, that appear there on the show and, and, and all the different people. So make sure to come by, um, and buy tickets if you haven't already. Um, it should be an awesome event. RDT, anything else to say about that? Can, I was just going to ask if I can quickly read off the food menu that they use today. <laughs> Go ahead. 
the Reuben Reuben, the Uncle David Reuben. Um, crabby dog, all beef hot dog with crab dip on top, loaded broth, peas, sausage, peppers, onions, all, all on a dog, grilled barbecue ribs, buffalo wings, crab cake egg rolls, loaded mac and cheese bites, and then a full raw bar. I I I may go I may go into a food coma live on the broadcast. Yeah. It's and, gonna I, be, I, it's gonna be would, and then I would imagine in some way, shape, or form, all five of us will probably be at the game, I think. Um so obviously maybe maybe we do something meetup wise um prior to the game in the stadium. But make sure to get your tickets to the tailgoat. Should be an awesome experience on opening day. Um, make sure you request off, get those, get those requests yep. off in, get those requests in, right. get those requests. In. I mean, that, as you said, RDT with the buzz, that's going to build, that is going to be an opening day that has not been seen in a long time. I mean, this year's was a little more exciting with the Adley stuff and, and everything, but this is going to be, this is going to be a little, I think those orange carpet introductions are going to be pretty electric. Um, oh, and, and unlike they've wait. been in, in the past. Uh, let's get to our starting five draft presented by fed thrill. Um, go to fedthrill.com, Use the promo code exit 52. Um, to discount some sunglasses today, starting to get a little warmer here as we roll through uh, February. It got very cold there around the Ravens games a couple of weeks ago, but now, you know, in the fifties, looks like it would be in the sixties on Saturday. So you're going to need those sunglasses, certainly for opening day, wear them to the tailgoat, mm-hmm. um, go to threadthrill.com, use the promo code exit 52 mm-hmm. uh, to go back to sad boy banks. He had the um, suggestion for this one. Um, things you're not over is the starting five draft presented by, Fed thrill, um, which can be in a variety of things, sports, um, life, pop culture, who knows uh, what people will say. And I will do as I normally do, randomize the draft live here. If I could get this draft order generator.com, we'll free pub for them to work. Um, RDT, you have the first pick. Uh, I have the second pick and Banks, you have the third pick in this draft. So let me get I mean, that down. And RDT, you let's let's start us off. Starting five draft presented by Fed Thrill. This is a no-brainer for me. I think it's 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 Jeffrey Mayer. Ne- we'll never yeah. get over that fucking punk just reaching over, didn't even catch the ball. And again, I remember I remember being at the old in the Ulrich's living room, and all of the dads were screaming screaming and my dad's a yankee fan and he was watching the legendary it. ulrich's living room hey you'll never forget it but like that that was the first time that i remember being like oh my god like this is like sports are this is kind of something and again that little fucking pipsqueak reaching over and then being on the today show and on every the cover of every you know this and that magazine and this newspaper and his little that rat face getting just brought around new york city and then when he was in college they were like oh the orioles could draft him he played d3 baseball somewhere and like set their school hit record and they were like the orioles may look to draft them and all that and it was like that would have been i mean the city would have been lit on fire if they would have drafted that that kid so i do remember i found his twitter it was like 11 years ago and it was all just his work and family stuff. And I was going to call him out. And then I was like, I was like last week was about his daughter. And I was like, I can't, he's, he's a family guy. And then like, I immediately was like, I should have just fucking ripped him. But yeah, Jeff Mayer, I think that's, that, that's probably, I thought it would be a, the consensus number one. For I can't argue it. I can't argue it. I think in terms of like Baltimore stuff, it, it ranks very much near the top. Changes um, the, it changed the course of, of of the two franchises 
trajectories, you know? Yeah. I can't argue with that pick. It's a very good, very good number one pick. Um, I'm going to take you back to March 21st, uh, 2010. Spokane, Washington, uh, Maryland, Michigan State. Second yep. round of the NCAA tournament. Terps kind of out of it. Going through the second half, Gravis Vasquez heroically brings them back. Makes a shot to take the lead with about, um, I don't know, like 10, 11 seconds left. Maybe a little deeper in the clock. Michigan State comes down. Ball pass across the court. She clearly hit Draymond Green in the head. It somehow does not. And then Corey Lucius bangs at top of the key three-pointer to end the Maryland season and really was the last uh, gasp of the Gary Williams era as well. Um, a team that won a share of the ACC title um, and a young um, Taylor Smythe uh, absolutely had a meltdown um, that I won't get too deep into, but um, I think about that a lot and I have not gotten over it. Not only because of the nature of the loss, not only because it ended Vasquez's career, which was among the most beloved, not only because it sort of was the end of the Gary era to, to for all intents and purposes, but they had a clear path to the Final Four. If they win oh. the game, they go to the Sweet 16 and play Northern Iowa, who would upset Kansas, the Ali Farouk Manesh team. Then they play a six seed in the Elite Eight if they get there in Tennessee. Probably have a great chance to beat them. And then if they're in the Final Four, if they're in the Final Four, they play the Butler team that lost to Duke on the, um, on the heave. Easily could have been in the national title game against a Duke team they'd already beaten that year. It's, I mean, that is a long stretch of way to go in the way that the tournament works, but it is a path that clearly opens up with a like dominant guard and the right pieces around him where you could have really done some damage. And yeah, they probably could have, you know, just done a better job against that Michigan State team. But I just, that devastates me more than most losses have in my entire life. Brutal. Mm -hmm. So, yeah, it's a good one. I'm putting that as a second pick. I was awful. I was so very awful. It's my freshman year at Maryland. Um, the dorms were going crazy. Absolutely crazy. It was like a Sunday afternoon. Mm-hmm. Oh, man. Afternoon. I, was, I was at work I was so in the room watching it. And... I was so upset during the second half when they went down. I think they went down like yeah. maybe almost we pretty much packed it so. in. It was like such a – I was like eight. changing the channel. I was so upset. I was like, I can't <laughs> even Vintage Grievous Vasquez like – Fuck this. This game is mine. Everybody around me, get out of the way. I am going to create. I am going to will us back into this game single-handedly. It was such a, like, microcosm of those hot streaks that he would go on from time to time where he just led the team. And that team as a whole was, I mean, there are certainly more talented teams in that tournament, but they were so well-constructed. They they were just, like, had all the pieces in terms of, um, you know, Hayes was a great three-point shooter. That, uh, Grievous was Grievous, who could do all kinds of things. Great Doing size well. for a point guard. Landon Milbourne running the baseline, hitting mid-range jumpers. Bowie. Freshman Jordan Williams. Um, they had some good defenders. Sean Mosley in the mix. Like just Cliff a Tucker. really well-constructed team that they absolutely. Yeah, yep. He was R. on R. there too. Yeah, just a great, a team that was like perfectly constructed to to get the most out of what that team could. And uh, that was Gary, was though. Like the ultimate. Yeah, great. I was, such a great, incredible coach. Uh, Vasquez, by the been. way, mm-hmm. tw- 26 points, eight assists, four rebounds, three steals in the game. God, he was – we get Sean to make – can can Sean make his Vasquez jerseys now? Like, I need a Maryland Vasquez jersey. Yeah. 
Yeah. We gotta figure out a get. We've got to figure. The Maryland gotta figure out a way to get a deal done with him and, and get some uniforms out because I can. I can get you. He's a just amazing. The Terps have had so many incredible lead guards, and he just is. He was just one of a kind. So that's mine. Uh, Banks, you have two. Um, the 2023 AFC Championship. Game. <laughs> I knew that's what you were gonna take. <laughs> I'm just never gonna get over it. I will. I can't. Wrote it down before you it's. It. Very difficult for me to to try to think about whether or not I'll get over it until it's like probably until next Friday when whatever parade is is completed. Um, not even Monday after the Super Bowl. What tough phrase? I like. Does it still does it does it hurt that bad? Like even if it's to Mahomes, it's not like you you know if it was to C.J. Stroud, I would yes. be like, yeah, that's. I yeah, think it does. It's, it's such worse. a winnable game. It's it was such a winnable game. The, we we're we are so much better than that football team this year. Mm-hmm. So much but better. It, and it, like teams, win. every team in the AFC has been praying for the opportunity to make him come to their barn for the AFC Championship game, and we got that opportunity. We were extraordinarily healthy. We had just all the pieces in the right places, and. Mm-hmm if we have to drill this down even further, it's the fumble. Like I just, I, I will never, I will never stop thinking about the fumble at the one yard line. I am so convinced that we win that football game. If he punches that in the end zone, the momentum was all going our way. They couldn't move the ball against us hardly at all. Yeah. They got the big first down that they needed there, but there's so much time left in that game where we're breathing down their necks. And I think we squeeze the will out of them and win that game. If he just gets in the end zone. And he didn't. So, okay, I'll never yeah. get over it. I agree. I agree. Uh, you have another. Um, I'm gonna take the death of Omar Little. I'll never get over that. It was so shocking, and out of left field, um, which is kind of the entire point. But you just never see it coming. Um, Taylor, you haven't watched it, so I won't go into further detail. But the ultimate anti-hero in that show, um, the middleman, clearly the guy that was written to be loved at, by the audience and um, just a really brutal way for him to go. You you want to know how I found out that I was I, I started watching it. And I was reading a Jason Whitlock article. So that handout, that's on me. Um, it was about LeBron. It was in like 2013 or something like that. And literally in the first sentence of the, the article, he wrote that Omar dies. And I was like, all right, well, okay. Thanks, Jason. Appreciate it. So you got to figure he was going to die at some point. It's just like, yeah. Just but he like explained it. He explained who, who did it, when it happened and everything. And I was like, oh, <laughs> well, I guess I could skip that episode now. So yeah, Tough. that's that's a great that's a good pick though. That's a very good pick. That's a good pick. Um, <laughs> thanks, Taylor. <laughs> great pick. Uh, this is when, when this draft was proposed. I really wanted to do a good job, not just taking Maryland related things, but it's very hard for me to not do that to a certain extent. I have to take the Maryland Duke 2020 2001 semifinal. I, I I just it could have easily been back to back national titles, and I don't want to sound greedy because they did come back and win the title the next year. But 
they're up a million points in the first half. They get absolutely screwed by the refs. I mean, there has never been a bigger Duke whistle situation than Maryland Duke 2001 in the, in the final four in Minneapolis. It's an absolute joke. You can go back and watch the game. They get absolutely screwed. And I was devastated as a kid. Um, and luckily, I, as I said, they come back the next year and they win the whole thing. The kids have done it, blah, 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 blah. But it's a team that easily could have won back-to-back titles and had all the pieces to win the title that year. And it just – Coach K shouldn't have that one. He just shouldn't have that one, and he just should not have that one. And he has that one because he's Coach K and because the Terps got no respect. And I hate blaming the refs for games. I'm, I'm As people have heard as I've done this pod, try not to get into that when we do Ravens talk or, you know, whatever. But that is a ref game. I mean, they got screwed by the refs. So mm-hmm. – I have to have it. I have to have it on my team. And it just would have been so sweet to beat Duke too. Like that would have oh made, that God. would have just been the ultimate cherry on top. Yeah. And and what's unfortunate is like they definitely, you know, if Duke doesn't just blow it to Indiana in the the next year, they could have beaten that Duke team in the final and whatever. It's fine. It's fine. I, I would have loved to have get the, the the Duke the Duke win that mattered in that run never like happened in a postseason game, which mm-hmm. was a little bit unfortunate. But yeah. Well, I mean, we got the we got the ACC one like that. Yeah, the 2004, that 2004 for sure. 2004 was for sure, for sure. If that team does a little more in the NCAA tournament, I think that's better remembered. Uh, 20 year anniversary, they're coming back to the game against Illinois. That team, nice. a couple weeks, but nice. Um, nice. But yeah, yeah. Was that announced? I have that. Um, I don't well, know. I'm announcing punch. it right now. <laughs> I'm announcing it right now. <laughs> Breaking news. <laughs> Buy your tickets at umturfs.com. Just trying to get people in the building. <laughs> 1984 set, AC apparently. title team as well. We'll just yeah. Uh you are this set. This is my you reminder to you. No, they've they've been requested. You're set. <laughs> there you yeah, go. with RDT, if you need tickets, you let me know. I may. I may. Um, and with that RDT, you have two selections. <clears throat> uh Brady Anderson striking out swinging at a pitch at his eyes with Cal Ripken on deck in his last game, in Cal's last game. Two. <laughs> And the career. That's of such Cal a Ripken specific Jr. one. That's such a good one. I, what are you doing, dude? Like, what do you read? I mean, in the ultimate, read the room. The pitch was at at the. I mean, the pitch was at his neck, and he just tried to be a hero. I think it was a full count too. And it's like Brady, buddy, just, just what what are you doing? And and it's funny because I, I I when I when I interviewed Cal at the the Jimmy's event, I asked him, I said, are you? Brady for swinging and he said no he said you know you tell a three-year-old not to touch a hot oven you don't get mad at them when they do it you get mad at yourself for leaving the oven on or whatever and I, I kind of looked at him and he goes Mike Hargrove had me six that night I think he said six he goes I hadn't batted six in my entire career and he goes with the last game of my career you're gonna bat me six he goes just bat me first and this wouldn't happen so again <laughs> if you go back and watch the clip I'll probably retweet it tonight or something like that but I mean, Brady swings at a brutal pitch, and and there's Cal in the on deck circle just waiting with with his bat on his shoulder, and that was that was the last we saw of him. There it was over after that. So I just remember being a kid, being like, just call a foul tip or something like you know, say do something, have the catcher drop the ball and let Brady run to first, or give give us just one last Cal at bat, and we just didn't get it, and that crushed me. That that absolutely crushed me. season, and nothing to the Orioles. It was it was a very selfish thing for me to want another cal at bat so i'm taking that one Again, like i don't that. think i'll ever forget it um i know i can get that one later so i have three more left i have this one and then two more um i get that one later 
I'll 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 probably steal this one from Brian. Nate McLeod hitting the foul pole in 2012. Again, I think it was pretty clear on the replays they, they were showing. Brian was in the building. He didn't get to see the replays live, but it was pretty cool. Again, don't want to blame the refs or the umps. That ball hit the foul pole. They showed the white mark on it on on TV and New York cooking. You know, it it, it was it was the Yankees, so they weren't going to get that call. So right field continues to be a son of a bitch for the Orioles. So hopefully uh, they can they can buck that trend. But uh, Nate McLeod, twenty twelve, game five, wild card. Was that a Friday, Brian? Or was that? I believe it was. I believe. Yeah, I think. I believe I was at Seastone Thursday night when JJ Hardy hit the the extra innings double, and me and my mm-hmm. buddy like bought tickets right then and there. Yeah, immediately. And made the trip up the next day. Yeah, I think I think we went at like three thirty first pitch or something like that. Like it was something funky. No, like it was no, it wasn't. It was, but New York, right? but New Yorkers acted like it was. No, it was like it was like a six thirty game. Was it? But Maybe it was. Yeah. They acted like it was a three thirty. Yeah. Fucking fucking CC. It was a long freeze for him. Yeah. I'll get there my I'll get my I'll get my next pick in here. Um I need to get a Ravens one in here. I'm between two. Uh I'll go with the twenty nineteen game against RDT's Titans. I just that was setting up to be one of the all-time great days. The weather was beautiful. The vibes were unbelievable. The Ravens were expected to roll into a potential AFC championship game. And they just never really got out of first gear in the game. Mistakes um, and lost to a Titans team that obviously was pretty good, but clearly were more talented than Um and the Titans, a little, you know, the rivalry there made it out a little, hurt a little more. Um, that was a tough day. That that was just, it felt like there was just, that team never got, that team didn't get beat by the team it was supposed to in terms of getting knocked out of the, of the, of the playoffs. Um, so I'll take that one. That was, that, was a, that was a tough day. I don't remember. You would think it was, had to, you would think it was around a touchdown, right? I would think. I was going to say like seven, seven and a half. Yeah. So that just, I almost took some ones in earlier years than that. I think there's some other Ravens playoff losses to take, but I think about that 2019 game and think of how excited I was to, to watch that on that day. And it's just, it just hurts every single time I think about it. So I'm taking that. Um, Banks, you have two banks. Now apparently logging on on two uh, devices here. Do I need to add yeah. him on this other one? I guess I add him. Now we have double banks. Can you hear me? Uh, we can. I'm going to re- try to remove you. I'm going to remove your other banks. version. And now we have single banks um, on his my phone. La- my laptop is dying and my charger sensors. Um, uh, banks, I took, if you had nerd, I took 2019 Titans or Ravens. Uh, you now have two picks. Uh, I'm going to take Raul Banya's entire existence in that same <laughs> series. Um, yeah. Just one of those seasons where, gosh, it seems to happen this way, where somebody's just so awesome and perfect all year, and then finally the big moment comes for them to just continue to be awesome, and they just aren't. Jim Johnson, really tough to watch. Um, 
And this happened to Zach Britton a little bit too against the Royals. He just he couldn't mm-hmm. like forgot how to throw a strike, um, which was just stunning, <laughs> absolutely stunning. Um, but to not be to to really be 21 years old and not really have any tangible memories of Orioles playoff baseball and for that to be the way that that entire series went where it was just right there in front of us to go and and take it from a team that obviously was beating us up year after year and just you know it was a great opportunity to kind of shock the world and we didn't we didn't get it done we didn't get it done Mm -hmm. can't argue with that it was terrible (laughs) it was terrible this is a depressing draft (laughs) Yes, it is. You you have another you have another pick. Um, I never really got over the the failed uh, the failed Terrell Owens trade. Then it didn't go through. I never got over that. Um, don't know why that one sticks out to me, but I feel like that would have been just such a difference maker for our team at that point in time. I want to say it was two thousand four. Um. Obviously, lands on the Eagles. I don't know if he goes to the Super Bowl that exact year, but mm-hmm. um, he would have been just such a difference maker for Kyle Bowler, um, which I know it's crazy to say. Like, oh, maybe maybe things turn out different for old Kyle Bowler. But um, I don't know. It just would have been a tremendous difference maker for a team that had not had any receiving talent whatsoever since Michael Jackson, um, which is another weird sentence to say. But, um, yeah, I just – with the way that played out and it felt like the Ravens should have been on, like they did everything the way that they should have in order to facilitate a trade that they thought was totally illegal and legitimate. And by all means it was, but um, T.O.'s agent just sucks. Rosenhaus, right? I want to say it was a guy preceding Rosenhaus. And that's how he landed in Rosenhaus's lap. Gotcha. Fucked up the paperwork. I could be wrong on that, but some something in terms of like filing for proper free agent status, mm-hmm. something along those lines. Gotcha. So, um, I'm gonna stray from sports, although I guess not totally. Um, one of my favorite shows of all time is Friday Night Lights, and the show's second season is truly deplorable. Surrounded by a fantastic first season and three really good seasons after that. It is so, so bad. I, I, I A spoiler alert. If you want to not hear what happened. Do you, have you guys watched the show? Do you guys care to be spoiled here? It's spoiled. I got it spoiled for me. I have a question for you. A follow up. Yeah, question. but so I'm going to let people if you want to click for 30 seconds, you won't be spoiled. Here are some of the things that happened. And thankfully, there was an article that had them all listed, which is great. <laughs> Matt Saracen begins a relationship with his grandmother's grandmother's adult caregiver. Team booster Buddy Garrity essentially adopts a teenage linebacker and some random lifeguard called the Swede. <laughs> and he steals Julie Taylor's heart. And Landry and Tyra killed a guy. Happened okay. in the 15 episodes of the second season of <laughs> Friday Night Lights, which got cut short by the writer's strike, really saving the show. The show then got moved on to a different um, platform and got saved. I was but, going to, to clarify when you said one great first season, then three other great seasons. In my head, for whatever reason, the it's it's the, the murder that really jumps out as the most ridiculous part of that entire show, which is a ridiculous I was, show as a whole. 
I was going to say the murder as the single thing that was in this. And then this article reminded me of the other ridiculous things that happened in the second season. So I gave it second season as well. But really, it comes down to the fact that they had Landry kill a guy attacking Tyra and just um, and just and then and then the season then the season ends because of the writer strike and they just never mentioned it again. They just never mentioned it again. Yeah, and get yeah. the show, in my and they get the show back so on far, track. Then they get the show back on track. It, it felt like that happened late in the show, but it didn't. Yeah, because there because, there is kind of like two shows in a way with the way that you know with coach switching high schools and stuff. Hundred percent, hundred percent. Yeah, yeah, and it becomes a better show once they figure out that part of it in season three, but. Season two is so bad and it's because the ratings are bad and they had to go for it. Season one is so good, but I just, I, I, that I just, well, I remember watching it and being like, what are they doing? Like what, what, what is happening? So I'll take that. It like made me not want to watch the show anymore. And then when the show came back, I didn't watch it. I didn't pick it back up initially when it came back because I was like, this show's terrible. Mm-hmm. Like, why would I go back and watch this? And then it was like, Oh, the show's amazing. So Friday Night Lights is like remembered as, you know, one of the better dramas of that era that maybe is a little under the radar. And it's not because of that 15 episode second season. That season stinks. So, RDT, you have two more picks here. All right. I'm going uh, Kevin Dyson getting tackled at the half yard line. It's not going to get any sympathy from anybody, any listeners or anyone on this podcast. But uh, again, pretty brutal way to uh, to uh, lose the Super Bowl and not really come close ever since. Um yeah, that's just kind of summed it up. Getting tackled at the, at the half yard line by a guy named Mike Jones. Um, that's pretty much it. Sucks. Can't stop thinking about it. We'll never wouldn't stop be, thinking about it. It'd be crazy if they put Mike Jones in the Hall of Fame like they put Bill Mazeroski. Like just for that play. Like, yeah. Yeah. I know Mazeroski, great, great fielder and stuff, but they should have a, a one play Hall of Fame. Like a Raul, Ooh. like Raul Labanez would be in the one play Ooh. Hall of Fame. Let's put a this pin is, in this. Yeah, Let's this put is a cooking. Pin in this one. This is cooking. Let's, I think that I, can topic. I can I say the guy that would they would name this after? Um, I guess um, he has multiple plays, but he's clearly a one play guy. What sport? Basketball. Robert Ory. Robert Ory. Yeah, it's Robert yeah. Ory. It's the Robert yeah. Ory Hall of Fame. Yeah, I like that. I like this. This is a good. Yeah, this is good. Brian, yeah, Brian, let's. Put That's a pin. There. Now, yeah, we we'll, won't we'll name any others. It just had to be said that he feels clearly like the guy this is named after. Yeah, yeah. Like, um, and I know name? it's multiple game-winning shots, but it's just so clearly that he has no other memorable moments. Just the ball just found him. Three game-winning mm-hmm. shots. Yeah. Yeah. Just, yeah. yeah, yeah. That's a great one. That's a, we'll come back to that. Okay. That uh, one. Already, you have a, you have your last pick here. Um, the chicken selects leaving McDonald's. We'll never get it. <laughs> chicken selects. Good pick. Um, good pick. That and buffalo sauce. I this mean, was, this was good. This is on my. This is on my honorable mention list. I wasn't gonna take it, but it's on my list. <laughs> for me, I mean, again, I remember you know sitting in my buddy's passenger seat. He would always drive me around, and and we would just, I mean, late night, just fucking munching on chicken selects and buffalo sauce. Just the best. The absolute best, and and I, I don't know why they haven't come back. I think didn't didn't we say they come back? They they came back before, like can't remember if they did or not. But there was a little mini chicken tender war there for a minute in mm-hmm. like 2007 or so. There yeah. was, there absolutely was. Yeah. But again, it, it's it's something that seems like you can easily replicate. Like you'd think they'd be able to do to just bring it back. Like I don't know, but yeah, that that really killed me when they when they took it away and just. Never brought it back. So McDonald's executives, if you're listening, 
that, you know, keep the crunch wrap or not the crunch wrap, the snack wrap. I'm, I'm okay without, it, it was fine. I would never have ordered it by itself, but chicken selects was a, a, a hardcore staple of, of young RDT's. Uh, yeah. Chicken selects diet. were, chicken selects were really good. They banged. Yeah. So Absolutely. that's my last one. Um, I'll finish my draft. Uh, I'm still not over the death of the ESPN zone. It was a devastating uh, day when the ESPN zone went away. Oh, and, great um, pick. I just think there's still a world where that should exist. Oh my gosh. And How many times have I said that that ESPN zone should be a giant sports book now? It would it revitalize just, the inner Harbor. Yes. Can I tell you something? They may, now that they have ESPN bet, this may come back. I would be pretty surprised if that branding came back as a nostalgia play for ESPN branded gaming type things. It just feels like that's the way they should go. I'll let the folks at ESPN and Penn Gaming figure that one out. But I, it just, it's a brand I think that has some value in the demographic that is doing a lot of the gambling, which is like the 25 to 50 type of crowd that kind of experienced that in its heyday. So is, is that Hard Rock Cafe still open? I think so. Yes. That's yes. that's maybe the most it's shocking nuts. thing in the that's world. Nuts. The bookstore <laughs> closed. There's still, um, I think Dick's Last Resort closed. Phillips yep. is still there. Oh, we don't say that word. Um, There's the banner is in which there. Which is now. where ESPN Zone is a joke. Um, yeah, the banner's there. Um, the Ravens actually have a small office there. I don't know what for. Huh. I know. I mean, the Commanders just put an office in College Park. Yeah. I don't know where. So we, because I was at the, I was at the aquarium with with Jojo and and our buddy um this weekend, and he was like, oh shit, that that's where ESPN zone is. He, he hadn't been down to the Inner Harbor in a while, and I was like, so and the uh, ESPN zone was fresh on my mind. So that's a I'm great far trip. enough removed now, I guess, from this job where I could talk about it a little more. I used to work for the, I work for the company that's more or less the landlord of that building, and I found the file deep in the on the drive of our company of like the liquidation of all oh. the ESPN zone stuff. It was quite an afternoon, me just rolling through pictures of like the, the Papa shots and the, the, the hockey shooting game and like all that stuff. It's just like in a corner, a shitty photo taken with a, a Kodak digital camera that got uploaded to, to the, um, to the drive. And I'm just looking at that stuff. Like, I can't believe that they went and sold this thing and somebody probably has it in their basement. And I'm just so jealous of that. There was a website where you could go on and like bid for the, the, the yeah. stuff. Yeah. Like me and my friends used to just eat chicken selects and be in our buddy's basement. <laughs> and we're like, dude, could you imagine if we bought the basketball hoop? And like, if we had this, we had like $11 between us. Like we should get this. We should get that. And never, ever came close, but yeah, that would be awesome. There it needs to come back it definitely does yeah i don't know if it's like as espn evolves from potentially less of making money on the like cable fees and stuff and more towards like a licensing play of the brand i could see this like it makes sense would potentially make sense for disney to like sell the licensing rights for like themed locations of restaurants or sports books that feels like that will happen at some point Mm -hmm. um someone will use the ip to try to get people in it's, I, I love this. I went to the ESPN Zone Wikipedia. The C also's are fantastic. Dave and Buster's, Nike Town, GameWorks, Planet Hollywood, and Rainforest Cafe. Those are the C also's on ESPN Zone. I guess this is a great opportunity for me to mention. There used to be an indoor amusement park in the, that power plant building where ESPN Zone is. Really? Look it up. It's like a Six Flags indoor amusement park. That's an interesting read. 
Hmm. It was like in the seventies. It's it's nuts. that is a prime location for a rainforest cafe. I need a rainforest cafe. Oh my god, cafe. me and my co oh, actually were talking about rainforest cafes. There's still a handful left. There's I'm There's, reading it. There's one, two, three, four, five, six, Edison, seven, Jersey. eight, nine. 10, 11, 12, 13, 14, 15, 16, 16 in the U.S., including one that was right by our hotel in Nashville when we were there for the Music City, but we drove yep. past it like 700 times. And then there's six internationally, <laughs> France, Japan, Canada, two in the UAE, and Malta. What a group. <laughs> um, and then a bunch of former locations, including Towson, Maryland, the legendary Towson Town Center Rainforest Cafe that was open for two years. Is there still <laughs> one in um... – Unbelievable. Atlantic City? Yes, there is. Yes. Um, uh, there's we, a deeper, trip? I, I swear I was on this page yesterday. I'm not even kidding. That's um, not yeah. There's two and there's two in Disney. Disney Springs cut, and Animal Kingdom. Deeper cut, Bugaboo Creek. I don't know if you guys ever went to one of those or saw mm-hmm. one of those. It is like animatronics and it's a very large, like Canada <laughs> mooses kind of theme. Sounds like uh, Bugaboo Creek Steakhouse. There used to be one of Rockville. Used to be a birthday spot back in the day. Love that. Love that. <laughs> I do love that as well. Let's see the uh, most recent one of these that's been opened. God, they opened one in Las Vegas in 2015. The two in the UAE have opened in the last two years. That's crazy. UAE. That's nuts. That's crazy. They probably love it. They're like, this is so America. This is America. <laughs> Look at these fucking idiots in there. Are there Planet Hollywoods? Are there we've totally got off the rest here? Are there Planet Hollywoods left? Wow, there's three Planet Hollywood there's restaurants. One in New York left. City, Times Square. There's one, there's one in the LA. There's one at LAX. There's <sighs> one at Disney Springs, and there's one in Doha, Qatar, according <laughs> to Wikipedia. <laughs> and then three Planet Hollywood resorts: Goa, which is in Portugal, apparently, maybe. Sure. Hard to tell. It just says Portuguese. No, that's not where that is. I can't. That can't be right. I'm having a hard time figuring out where this is. <laughs> oh, India. India. Sorry. Mm. Costa Rica, Cancun, and Vegas. <laughs> what a scene. Mm. So there you have it. Uh, last pick, Banks. We can talk more. Um, it's chain restaurants. Come to my understanding that this may, this also may have come back or may now be back, but um, the discontinuation of of cream savers, particularly strawberry cream savers, mm. was especially devastating to me. Um, I think it's an all time all time snack. Um, hard candy. I'm not necessarily a hard candy guy by any means, but it is by far the goat in that category. Um, just disappeared, and I think it was you unanimously loved I, mm-hmm. I couldn't find anyone who didn't love a good strawberry cream saver so sure yeah. i was never a giant cream saver guy but people will swear by them so i'm not gonna argue with the pick i'm with you they were awesome they were really really good um honorable mentions oh well let me go over the draft here i guess I, I, we haven't done this in a while uh rdt jeffrey mayer game uh brady anderson striking out in cow's last game nate mcleod hitting the foul pole uh, Kevin Dyson getting tackled the one in chicken selects. I actually think we kind of came to our own here at the end of the draft. Mm-hmm. Um, I took the 2010 Maryland, Michigan state game, uh, the Maryland Duke 2020 to uh, Jesus, 2001, the semifinal 2019 Titans Ravens, uh, Friday night Lights season two, AKA the murder and, uh, the death of the ESPN zone banks takes the death of Omar little, the two, 2023 FC championship. You might flip those in order. Uh, Raul Banez general existence, the fair, the failed Terrell Owens trade and the death of specific types of cream savers. <laughs> um, the Cundiff game has to get mentioned here. Yeah. 
uh, I feel, in terms of I, – I'm uh, now a little shocked that I didn't take it. The wild card game in Toronto is probably a pretty big snub. Yeah, and the box. I just I saw that coming the whole way once. Yeah, him, it's just – I think the – Multiple I, jams and then it, put him in. It's really just the end decision to put Ubaldo in the game is the only reason that's like a like tough loss. Mm-hmm. If he if he if if you if you die with Britain on the mound, you don't feel as bad about that game. Yeah, or like, if, all right, we put our best Bundy. guy out there. If if he if you put in Bundy, then it's like ah okay, yeah. well you know. But yeah. I, I'm also again I I'm in the camp that that team was not very good. The 2016 like they weren't going to win the World Series. That team yeah no. yeah yeah get yeah, yeah, yeah. on me all you want because people I don't, people are like you know the, he didn't put him in. It's like. They they weren't going to go that far anyway. Like I, you know, that 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 loss, that playoff loss, has not hung with me as long as I thought it would have. Like I was like, yeah, yeah okay. that sucks, yeah. but whatever. Um, and the uh, the other thing I had Maryland wise, I have some like very deep cut Maryland ones, but I don't think there's any need to go into those. Uh, the Gone in sixty seconds game was yeah. uh, is a brutal memory. Every time Duke tweets that out every yeah. year, it makes me want to mm-hmm. just get very upset. So yeah, yeah. Uh, mm-hmm. Banks, anything? Um. The death of Little Foot's mother in Land Before Time. Uh, horrible, one, uh, horrible. Sticks out to me. Oh my God! How do you not take that? That is an incredible pick. Yeah. No, oh my was, God, Little Foot. It was right there. Uh, it was a very close call for me here, and I, honestly, I got a little bit on tilt when my monitor with my laptop went off <laughs> that I had my list there. Um, but that was extraordinarily devastating. Good pick. Um, the That's um, right pick. I'll be God, honest. The foot. the um. The Seahawks Patriots Super Bowl interception really <laughs> ate me to my core. Um, just like for them to be able to have that moment is just disgusting to me, and it really just eats at me still to this day. Um, doesn't help either that we kind of had them by the balls um, three weeks prior in New England, but um, that one that one really bugs me. Um, so um, Mark Clayton dropping a fourth down pass at Gillette and like a September regular season game. That one for whatever reason has always stuck with me. And then here's, yeah, the, you can do the Cundiff thing. You can do the Lee Evans thing, but nobody seems to remember. I've brought this up before. This may be, may have been Joe Flacco's best throw in his career. Fourth and 18 to TJ Hushmanzada mm-hmm. against Pittsburgh in 2010. That drop was right in his breastplate. It was a first down. He was going to drive down the field and go win the game. And, uh, I mean, I can go even deeper on that particular year. Stevie Johnson of the Buffalo Bills dropping an interse- or, uh, an overtime touchdown that would have beaten the Steelers, that would have knocked them off the top of the division, that would have put Baltimore in the bye, and also they would have hosted that game. I don't think Ray Rice fumbles out of half at home. I don't think he does it. So if we can do the domino meme or <laughs> – Butterfly effect, whatever. Um, Stevie Johnson dropping an overtime touchdown against Pittsburgh in like November. That one, that one, I'm not sure if I'll ever forgive Stevie Johnson, but it was not him. It was on God. Yeah. That was going to say that was the famous. <laughs> we were, so we, we were at my grandmother's funeral, literally in, in the funeral home. Please. We were in the funeral home during the funeral and in, in Pittsburgh watching that game. And like you could hear all the cousins in the back room go nuts. And then it came out after the game where they were like, yeah, does he blame God? Like he just true happened to blame God. If true Twitter existed at that time, that would have oh, been unbelievable. It would have been the, fantastic the, content. The tweet was, I pray this is an all caps. 
I praise you 24-7, five exclamation points, and this is how you do me, four exclamation, five exclamation points again. You expect me to learn from this? Que- uh, three question marks. How? Three question marks, three exclamation points. I'll never forget this. Two exclamation points ever. Three exclamation points. Thanks, though. <laughs> how, many, how many, like, 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 what are the interactions on? It probably has, like, 75, uh, like, 150 likes. I don't like, see a screen. I don't see a screenshot that has it. I don't see a screenshot that has the engagement on it. Yeah. It's, it's, uh, it's, it's like it would have done it numbers. Can't be, yeah. it, it can't be still in his. It's also, by the way, this is true to your heart. He tweeted from an iPad. <laughs> <laughs> um, Speed rinsing a couple balls at an Augusta. I had that there, as too. well. I had that as well. That one does tough. I, I haven't totally gotten over the effect that the Tiger scandal had on me as a youth. <laughs> that was like shocking. Like the buildup of the Tiger myth was like he was a kind of unassailable as a human even though if you you know as a kid you don't like get into like the fact that he you know was kind of weird on the golf course and weird publicly but you're like god this is like the guy and then for him to just be like an absolute serial cheater was kind of stunning i remember being like absolutely flabbergasted by that um which i think that reaction would change like right now if that happened as an adult but um (laughs) This this some of the Stevie Johnson stuff here on Google Images is very funny in regards to this. Um, oh, and then Stevie, oh, <laughs> what a what a TMZ headline! NFL star Stevie Johnson lets God off the hook. <laughs> <laughs> oh my God! No, and no, I did not blame God. People, seriously, come on! I simply cried out and asked why, just like y'all did when something went wrong in your life. Sure. Yeah. Sure. Sounds good. That's fine, Steve. Any other honorable mentions? We'll get to Nick Cameron Medley, and then we'll get out of here. Um, I had Madden turning into a piece of shit game franchise, and then Rose not letting Jack on the door. Mm. But I think it needs to be revisited here before of how sad a kids movie Land Before Time is. Oh, that is awful. a devastating, brutal. devastating, brutal. And we watch it oh, over yeah. and over and over, just like willingly. <laughs> yeah. And like again, and my mom's like, "Yeah, sure, play it again." It's devastating same thing i mean mother, homeward, I, I it was like the bambi the bambi mother dying is a brutal one i thought about yeah. putting like a homeward bound you know thing in there but that that is charlotte's, yeah, web. Like charlotte's the, web is uh, unbelievably sad marley man yeah. i mean you could do yeah. a bunch of moves uh, sad apollo movies. creed was tough too very tough if he yeah. dies he dies it's at, at the if he dies he dies is a legendary line it makes it a little cartoonish as it's all going on <laughs> if you're supposed to be devastated it's like really <laughs> As Rocky's like looking up at him, cradling his head in his arms. There's a YouTube has um like a there's like a Rocky YouTube channel, and they have this all the workout Rocky scenes all in a compilation that I watched the other day. Love, <laughs> I love those movies. Love those movies. Yeah, a lot of there's a lot of movie and TV deaths we could probably have popped in here, but mm-hmm. um, yeah, Nick Cannon Medley. Future whenever Larry David dies, I'm already not over it. Oh, on come on, jeez. By the way, what unbelievable marketing that is for him to fight Elmo. That I mean, that is master manipulation of his entire brand. So good. So good. Just the the Today Show people look stunned as it's going on. It's, that is one of the great – that may be not challenge is the best clip of 2024. Something will eventually beat it because we have a long year ahead of us. But that I watched that clip like 14 times, and that's in the same week as we had the uh, fast car – a duet, which was also unbelievable. 
The memes have uh, been incredible. They're so good. <laughs> Nick Nick Kinner Medley, Maryland person of the week. RDT, I'll start with you. I, I I may be taking Brian's, but I'm just gonna take the easy way up here, and it's it's Larry David for the last uh, the last season of Kirk coming back. I thought this episode was fine. I thought it was gr- good. Mm-hmm. It wasn't, you know, I mean, it's one of the better ones, but I thought I thought it was good. I laughed. I I'm I'm inci- excited to buckle up and and enjoy the the last ride. And again, it's nice to just see Larry like back doing Larry things, like and yeah. saying he doesn't give a shit about Taylor Swift and and Travis was perfect and the Elmo thing was great. So again, I'm just I'm happy Larry's back in our lives and and I'm excited to see. I'll call my shot. I think he dies somehow in this season. I think I think the last episode ends with him like dying in a very funny way. It's it's gonna be something. I don't know how, but I think it's gonna be something like that. So hmm. that's my my Maybe official put prediction. Put himself in jail. That would Just be funny. That, that would play be, back. That would be good. It just as like a fuck you to, to everybody who hated it. Yeah. That that could be good. I don't know. Yeah, going with Larry. Uh, Brian, uh, I suppose I'll do a a, a co. Uh, I'll knock out a couple uh, celebrity deaths here. I just mentioned them. Carl Weathers was maybe a week or two ago. Um, that was a tough one. Uh, <laughs> just a great. I don't know if you call it a cameo, but Arrested Development. Just like all the different things where he just like obviously Chubbs is great. Paul Creed is what he's most well known for, but. Um, just had like a renaissance him, as in the Mandalorian too. That was sort of his like last yeah, couple of years thing. Yeah. Um, now you got a stew going. That's great. And then uh, got to hit up Toby Keith here. Um, that was a stutter. I hadn't really, I think, grasped the idea that he was sick. Uh, he was doing concerts like a month and change ago. Um, but um, iconic, um, iconic, all time American, all time American. R.I.P. to Toby. That was sudden. Did I didn't even realize he had cancer. That was I didn't. I had not seen that. Yeah, tough, tough week in that the celebrity death. Yeah, I feel like there are oh, cancers well. when they get announced where it's like, oh yeah, he's got cancer, but they got it. They got it early. It's fine. Like there's not like alarm bells, and that felt like one of them. And then it was like, I woke up at five thirty in the morning and it was like, oh, he's dead. It's like what? Yeah, very, very sad. Tough. Yeah, <laughs> sad pod. Um. Not over here for the last half. Um, I, I, I mean, you have to get this out of the way. Uh, Taylor Swift, uh, album of the year, four times. No one's ever done it. Um, okay, the haters are going to come for like the lack of giving Celine Dion like a forty-five second hug. Would have been nice if she, you know, gone up and done that early. But whatever. You know, people are getting annoyed that she's, you know, threatening legal action against college juniors. That's what you do when you're on top. You can do that stuff. <laughs> New album. It's gonna be a banger. Joe Alwyn's on Witness Protection Watch. He he's he's in a, he's in a world of trouble, um, based on those song titles. And um, I'm excited to listen to it. April nineteenth, so um, should be fun. And she's back on tour uh, in Tokyo last night. I think in Tokyo next two nights, and I'm sure she'll be at the Super Bowl. So um, you know, people are starting to apparently get tired of her. I'm certainly not, and I never will. So um, yes, was she a part of the side that ripped our hearts out? Uh, a couple weeks ago, sure, and that was tough. But look, you know, if she and Travis Kelsey have a great relationship, you know, it has nothing to do with football. So, um, her and Post doing a song, I'm pumped for that. Yeah, yep. And Florence and the Machine should also that, be a banger. Yeah, those should be very, very good songs. So, Taylor does have a weird history about sometimes 
when she does the collaborations, she doesn't put the collaborator on maybe enough of the song sometimes. But I think with Posty, he's gonna be it's gonna be kind of a Posty vibe, you would think. She better. She better. Yeah. So I have to say. Gotta give it to gotta give it to gotta give it to Taylor. Gotta give it to Taylor. Uh, nice Grammys. Nice Grammys. Good performance. Could, could have done without her standing up during the entire fast car performance, but hey, you know, just you know, I I like I would that's be doing the that stuff too. where I'm like, just just yeah. yeah. You can't act surprised when the camera's in your face and you're the only one standing up singing for in three and a half minutes. The fast car has taken the internet by storm, the performance. It is really, I mean, it's really good. Yeah. Luke Combs looks totally bewildered that he's in this position. He's Shock. like, oh my God. Yeah. <laughs> he's like, I've had this song out for a year, this cover out for a year. I can't believe I'm on the stage with Tracy Chapman. So. Yeah. It's a great, great song. Great performance. Great everything about it. Good for him. Uh, before we get out of here, RDT, do you want to uh, announce the breaking Orioles news? Yes. Nick Maton? Matten? Matan? I don't know. No well, idea. Welcome to Birdland. Cash considerations out the door <laughs> yet again. So I think. But big getting... infusion of money from, 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 from Papa Rube. That's hey, what happens. Cash considerations just. You got Magna Carta money. You can trade for anybody you want. <laughs> Nick, Nick Maton, Matan, anything like that. So yeah, welcome to welcome. Birdland. He hit like eight home runs in ninety-three games last year while hitting like a buck seventy-three. So perfect. Bring him on, baby. Bring him on. Yep. Where where Huge. are you for the Nick Maton, Matan, whatever trade? Orioles keep Orioles keep on winning. Orioles the rich, on winning. the rich just keep getting richer, baby. Except for Orioles they trade, they send more money away. So that's not how it works. Uh, that'll do it for this week's episode of the Exit 52 podcast. Um, appreciate everyone's support of the pod over the course of the Ravens season. Um, obviously, we'll continue with Ravens coverage in the offseason. Spenny and Jake doing their thing on the jumbo set. Us talking about all the different storylines, but um, had some awesome growth um, in, in in podcast listens, YouTube, um, some social stuff. So just appreciate all the support um, and the people that come up to us. Uh, we were standing there at the AFC Championship game before the game, and People are coming just high five and banks getting ready to go. And that stuff's always cool to see. So um, appreciate everyone's support. Make sure to go like and subscribe X32 on, on all the different podcast platforms. Give us those five-star reviews and ratings. Uh, YouTube would be huge if people can subscribe to that. Um, that's a great place to kind of watch us and obviously in video form, but those, I think those incident analysis hit more when you're watching them on video than, uh, than an audio. It's just, there's so many shenanigans, especially on those last couple that we've done. Uh, so make sure to go uh, check out the YouTube page for, for different content that we have going on. Um, you can follow us all of on, so, on social media at exit 52 um, podcast on all your social media platforms and that for Eric at E D I T T I 22 banks at Barstool banks, me at Taylor Smith 10 Jake at Jake Luke, his name L O U Q U E. And then Spenny at Ravens for dummies. Make sure to go buy your tickets for the tailgate opening day against the angels. DJ Pauly D performing in the exit 52 boys doing some live podcasting from the tailgate. Um, always a great time and appreciate our title sponsor, Jimmy C for, for giving us that opportunity and for all the great things they do to support Baltimore sports and this podcast fellows. Always a pleasure. Um, and we'll see everyone next time on the Exit 52 podcast presented by Jimmy's Seafood. <laughs>